newborn infant requires a special diet. We don't just go down to Pizza Hut and order a pepperoni-infused Super Supreme or put an iced mocha latte from Starbucks in his bottle. We wouldn't dare give him Red Bull or an enchilada laced with ghost pepper sauce. We know that he could not handle such foods. He, or she, must be started on the purest of formulations, a bland liquid diet, either mother's milk or some near substitute that we call formula. Likewise, the new Christian needs the purest influx of the Word of God to grow and mature, so he or she can deal with the obstacles that will come, like being able to put up a stiff fight for the gospel, or to give a reason for the hope that is an active part of every believer's life. Where do you fit? Have you been born again? What is it you desire? Do you have internal struggles between your old life and the new? Hello, and welcome to God's Word for You for Today from Liberty Lake Church. This is part 8 in the series called 1 Peter, Victorious Christian Living Through Suffering. So take out your Bible and open it to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, and follow along with Pastor Shane as he invites us to examine and compare our former lives to our Christian lifestyle in a session titled, Pure Spiritual Milk. Kids, you're dismissed. Which way are we going this week? Yes! Whenever the sun's out, we're going out this way. Hey, where's my five? Oh, dude. All right. Whew. I like it when they go that way because I get to say goodbye to them. Works out a little bit better. I want to brag on our elders just a little bit, and they have no idea I'm doing this, so hopefully they don't jump up and run. Um, but, uh, you know, we are doing something a little bit different with the offering, and I, I want to share with you kind of how the process happened, because I think it's really important. Um, a question came up about it. Hey, you know, we're, we're, we're just seeing some things, and we're wondering what to do. And as we talked about it, we said, you know what, let's pray about it for a couple of weeks. And if we get back together and it's unanimous for all of us, then we'll move on it. If not, then we're, gonna, we're not going to change. Uh, and a couple weeks later, when we got back together, each one of the guys came and just said, you know, I think we need to do this. Uh, and it was really encouraging for me. I don't know if you guys have had the privilege of working uh, in, in an environment where, you're, where your leadership is committed to prayer. But I want to tell you that that's what I am really enjoying about being part of this leadership team. Uh, is that rather than coming up and, and throwing out all of the reasons why we shouldn't or all the reasons why we should, the guy said, man, let's pray about that. And we did. And it was really, really, uh, it was a neat time. So uh, I'm okay with doing it however we do. Uh, it, it's really not that uh, an end of the world thing for me. And so to have the guys committing to pray about it was an encouragement. I want you to know that's, I just want you to know that's what the guys are doing. And uh, that's a real privilege. So I apologize, gentlemen, if I'm embarrassing you, but uh, I, I want you guys to know the men that I have the privilege of working with and that you guys have uh, put on the elder board here. So it's really a great joy for me. Um, all right, enough of the commercials. On to what we're here to do. Are you guys reading ahead? Anybody read ahead this week? Thank you. All right. And so... Um, 
I, I'm kind of excited about, well, I'm always excited about the text. Let's just be honest. Um, I am excited about this text. I struggled this week to figure out how far we are going. So we started out with just two, uh, ten, 10 verses. Then we, I went to two verses, and now I'm not sure where we're going to land. Um, but we're going to work our way through the text. And you see this morning, we're going to read 10 verses and then jump through there uh, and, and start working our way through the text this morning. Um, it's interesting that the very first part of chapter 2 is this idea of ridding yourself. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But the real the language there, it's like taking off a garment. And it, it hit me this morning uh, as I was wrestling through, man, what's a good illustration? I had a couple different ideas of, of what's this like what this was like. And then as I was praying this morning, I'm like, oh man, I, got, I know what it is that I'm supposed to share with you. I didn't really want to share it with you um, because it was a little bit of a goofy moment in our home. Uh, but I was grabbing on a white t-shirt to go to work the other day, um, or work around the house. And I threw on this white t-shirt and it was a bit of a struggle to get it on. And when I got it on, I noticed that I felt much taller and much snugger. Like all of the parts of me that have felt loose felt very supported. And I walked out into my living room and I'm like, am I just looking better? And Sally goes, ah, no, that's Chris's t-shirt. Now here's the funny part. I was actually smaller than my son at one point in time. When I was his age, I was quite a bit smaller. So that would have fit me as a, as a child teenager, young man, I would have fit right into that shirt and it would have looked good as opposed to what it did. And I would have fit in that shirt. You know what was really funny? Getting out of it became an an event. (laughs) How is taking off something that fit as a child or as a young man such an event? But it was because it doesn't fit me anymore. That's what I was like when I was a young man. And today, I'm not. And that's okay. It's part of growing up, right? Um, I, I don't know how many times we look back on our youth and we think, oh, how wonderful it would be to be that way. Um, I have many moments as I've sat with my parents and they reminded me what their perspective of my childhood was. Ugh, I don't remember it that way. I thought it was such a nice, so much better as a child. But how they remember it is a little different. I don't know if you've had that moment in your life where you've realized that you've put on clothes that maybe fit you a long, long time ago. Uh, But as we talk about the text this morning, Peter's going to challenge us to rid ourselves of things that we had on our lives when we were young and immature. He's going to say that these things shouldn't be who we are today. And he's going to challenge us to consider that. So... As we talk about ridding ourselves, you can imagine uh, putting on a way, way, way too small uh, T-shirt because that's really the, uh, the the illustration that grabbed me this week is is me wearing something that used to fit but no longer does, and the difficulty in getting it off. And if you live in my home, you would see that my son was glad to to offer me help at that moment and teasing me. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Peter says this, So rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. 
like newborn infants desire the spiritual pure or pure spiritual milk so that you may grow by it for your salvation since you have tasted that the lord is good coming to him a living stone rejected by men but chosen and valuable to god you yourselves as living stones are being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to god through jesus christ For it is contained in Scripture. Look, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone. And the one who believes in him will will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone and a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. They stumble because... They disobey the message. They were destined for this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Father, would you guide us this morning through your word? Would you speak to our hearts? I pray especially, Lord, that you would remove our preconceived notions, remove the the weakness of uh, of our own hearts, our our own ability to understand what you're doing, and that, God, you would speak. I pray that you would filter out any of my thoughts and only give us what you would have for us today. I thank you for this body. I thank you for the privilege that it is to be part of this family. And God, we ask that you would teach us in your name. Amen. So we see here that Peter's challenging us to rid ourselves or of these things or to remove, uh, like taking off a garment, to discard it, to take it off and put it aside. Um, was there anything in that, that that you saw that you're just like, oh yeah, that's great for other people? Um. Malice, this idea of, of doing evil or, or uh, um, um, wickedness, uh, all deceit, any kind of deception, and, and which, you know, we don't have any issues with that. Hypocrisy, that, that we would not say one thing and do another, right? Um, uh, envy, wanting something that other people have, or slander, uh, the idea of speaking evil about someone, um, especially false things. What I love about the text is that he's talking about the body life of the church. R- remember what he, what he just walked us through in chapter 1, who we are as the church, how we're supposed to love one another, the way we're supposed to ready ourselves for action, consider who we call Father and his lack of, uh, uh, of preference, how he sh- shows no preference to people. He's not partial at all. And then he says that we're to love like Christ, that as we do this body life, we're to do it together. And then he says, so... In light of that truth, rid yourselves of these things. Now, we see from Peter um, this, this challenge. We also see it from the Apostle Paul. Look at Romans chapter 13. We're going to see a couple different places here where we are challenged by Paul to, to consider how we live. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. 
Paul says, besides this, knowing the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is nearly over and the daylight is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daylight, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, and make no plans to satisfy the fleshly desires. I love how he uses the analogy of darkness and light, right? Because we behave differently when people are watching us, right? Oh, you guys don't. That's wonderful. You mean to tell me that if you're in your car and someone does something vile to your rights of transportation and no one else is in the car, you keep singing hymns to Jesus? We behave differently when no one's watching than when someone's with us. Have you ever been in a spot? I think I've shared this story with you guys. I was making a left-hand turn at my favorite intersection on Spokane. It's in Idaho. It's like Spokane Street or something like that, or Idaho Street somewhere. It's two left-hand turn lanes going into two other lanes. Two lanes. Did you know that that's an impossible concept for some people? They're in one of the two left-hand turn lanes, and they think they get both of them when they are at the end of that turn. Now, that drives me nuts. What happened one morning as I'm making my left-hand turn? Someone was using both lanes. Do you know he was going to church with me? It was one of my good friends. I was going to see him in like three minutes. That changed how I behaved. Because if they weren't on their way to church, I had a different expression for them. We behave differently in the light. You know, doesn't it blow your mind as we consider what we throw off from our, from our youth, from our immature uh, fleshly behavior? Isn't it amazing that we forget that we are always in the presence of God? I'm never outside of the eyes of Jesus. I think that's one of the great gifts of the body. For whatever reason, I have a hard time remembering that he's always with me. But when I'm with you, it helps me to remember. What a blessing we are for one another. To be part of the body. To share in the burden of walking like Christ in the midst of a fleshly world. You guys, each of you, individual brothers and sisters, help me to remember that God's watching. That I have a life to live that reflects the truth of who I am in light of his kingdom. What a great privilege. And that's how we should see it, right? Every Sunday, thank you for all of you. Every Monday, thank you for all of you. Some of you are even blessed to have one another in your home all week long. Thank you for all of you. That's God's plan. Isn't that amazing? Paul says in Romans there that it's time to wake up. That the deeds of our lives, that we should be putting these things off. To be really honest with you, as we go through these lists sometimes, I watch him, 
I watch him do all the, the, the sin lists. Sorry, my ear's not holding on. I need duct tape or something. Um, I watch him go through the sin list, and it's amazing to me how he always starts off with things that I can go, yep, I'm good with that, I'm good with that, I'm good. And then he gets down into the to some heart issues. I'm like, oh, doggone it. I was really good up to number five. And then he got me. I don't know if that happens for you guys, but as we evaluate who we are, as we consider, even as we did this morning in, in 1 Corinthians, as we consider uh, coming to the, to the communion table, rightly evaluating our own lives and our hearts is so important. Look at 2 Corinthians 12. We're still on uh, the behavior of the flesh. We're to rid ourselves of the behavior of the flesh. 2 Corinthians 12, 20 through 21. Here's Paul speaking again to Corinthians at the end of his second letter. He says, for I fear that perhaps when I come, I will not find you to be what I want. And I may not be found by you to be what you want. There may be quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. I fear that when I come, my God will again humiliate me in your presence. And I will grieve for many who sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, sexual immorality, and promiscuity they practiced. What's Paul ch- uh, is saying to the Corinthians? He's saying, I'm worried about coming to see you. Because it, there's a chance that you're still going to be immature. You're still going to be wallowing in the fleshly things of this life. And I'm going to have to come there, not, as, not to be there as your friend and celebrate, but to come and bring discipline. That's what he's saying. He says, I don't want to come and be harsh. But if these things are in your life, then that's going to be my response to this situation. Did you notice how similar they are to what Peter has shared with us? I mean, none of us struggle with selfish ambition, do we? Doing things for myself, wanting things for me. That's that's not an issue. Some people might say that's a RAV4 issue. it's one of those challenges that when we look at our lives, selfish ambition is hard for us to see. That's that's honestly, I think, one of the great gifts that we have in marriage is to help peel back that, that selfish heart that we can so quickly lock into. And, and we're not going to look at all of them. We don't have time to go over every one of these things. I mean, arrogance, gossip, disord- disorder. Wow. Feel like Paul's meddling just a little bit. The amazing part is that these are things that happened when we were immature. So I believe that one of the things Peter is challenging us is to rid ourselves of the behavior of the flesh and in or immature behavior. Look at First Corinthians again. We're going to see Paul. And this is Paul's challenge to the Corinthian church, his, his first letter. I love the fact that he closes with a volley that's so, that is so similar to his opening remarks to the Corinthians because it paints for us a picture of how much like us they were or how much like them we are. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 4, he says this, Brothers, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people. But as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ, I fed you milk, not solid food, because you were not yet able to receive it. In fact, you are still not able because you are still fleshly. 
For since there is envy and strife among you, you are not flesh. Um, are you not fleshly and living like ordinary people? For whenever someone says, I'm with Paul, and another, I'm with Apollos, are you not typical men? Paul here is challenging the Corinthian church that they're living by the flesh, that they're still on the, the, the milk of the gospel, and because they're still there, they are immature, or as he calls them, babies or infants in Christ. I think it's interesting that in that process, he associates the idea of us following men's uh, gospel, that they, they got consumed by following Apollos or Paul. They weren't following Christ anymore. They, their, their titles were aligned with men and what men were teaching. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that in the, in the church, in the history of the church, but if, if you go back and read historical accounts of the church, there are great tragedies that have happened because Christians have followed men. And they've killed one another over interpretations of the gospel or words of scripture. It's, it's really amazing, um, which I won't do the whole historical lesson because I don't have a full grasp of it yet. I've been reading some of the stuff going, oh, it's almost like reading Judges um, in, the, in, the, in the horrific things that have happened in, in the history of the church. Because we're following men. But here Paul's saying that our behavior, the, the Corinthians' behavior, was that of infants. And he said that they were still stuck on that. Now, I, I want to, I, I had a great conversation with Tyler. We were talking about this whole milk thing. And, and he challenged me to consider that maybe this is not just a, 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 a claim that the people of Peter's letter here, that the believers at this time were actually just infants, but they may have been believers that, Peter was calling back to the principles, the basic principles of the gospel, because they were getting lost or, or getting busy in their, in their current circumstances of suffering. So I'm, we're going to look at that kind of two aspects. But I think that Peter challenges uh, the believers here. If we turn back to 1 Peter chapter 2, he says that they're to desire the milk, right? In verse 2, he says, like newborn infants desire the unadulterated or the pure spiritual milk. Have you ever seen a baby, a, brand, a newborn baby? Do they desire sustenance? Right? Oh boy, they do. You get anything next to them and they're like latched onto that thing. Why? They're hungry. They figured it out. This is important for me to have. Gots to have it. I had four boys. They were hungry all the time. It was amazing. We didn't have to teach them to get a hold of something, the, the, the bottle and suck on that thing. It was, it was a natural response for them. Why is it that we have to be reminded to go back to the word for our sustenance? Have you ever wondered about that? I, I love having uh, newborn, uh, newborn believers. It's so much fun sometimes to watch brand new Christians. Do you remember what that was like for you? You know, I grew up in the church. So I've always had the right answers. And I learned really quick when they were not the right answers. 
But for much of my life, uh, the Word of God was just something I had to do. It was what I was supposed to do. Even many years into my ministry, I found that the Word of God was a bit of a burden. Now, what does that say? What it tells me is that I don't understand the value of the Word. Somehow in my head, I had it lined up that I could do Christ, I could do Christianity without being attached to His Word. Peter says that these believers, these exiles uh, that, that are temporary residents, that they should thirst for or desire the milk, the, sp- the pure spiritual milk of the Word as an infant. That's a hungry baby. That is every chance they get that they're diving into his word. You know, one of the things I love about about children, I was thinking about that this morning. Have you noticed that really young children, they're kind of all in, right? If they're having a bad day, they're all in. If they're having a good day, they're all in. In fact, if our boys were quiet, it it really scared us. We were worried about quietness in our home. Uh, in fact, lethargic babies, it's a, that's a really big issue. Um, as, as an EMT, we had a young lady that was kicked by a horse. And when I say young lady, she's a little tiny thing. Um, I think she's about four years old. Launched her across the field, caught her head on, on a steel, one of the steel posts of the, of the arena. When we got her, she was almost unresponsive. She was still awake, but she was almost unresponsive. Do you know that that was one of the highest trauma uh, events I've been on as an EMT. Because the fact that she was so lethargic in her life meant that she was, she was on the brink of death at that moment. It would have been better for her to be screaming bloody murder at that moment than for her to be laying there almost unresponsive. Is it possible that that's what Jesus meant in his revelation to John? about the lukewarm Christian? Is it possible that as we've become lethargic, we've lost connection to the source of our life? That it would be better that we were hot or cold? As we think about ridding ourselves of of these behaviors and pursuing the spiritual milk, Peter says that we do that so that we would grow. Now, I, I want to I encourage us that this, if we're needing milk, it may not be that we're brand new believers. It may just be that our lives have become so complacent that we've set aside the word of God and we've been trying to do it on our own. I pastored for 11 years realizing at one point in that transition as, as I was coming out of this youth ministry process, that much of my life had been done as practice, not in real life. It was behavior that I was trained in. I wasn't hungry for the Word. I wasn't attached to Christ on a daily basis. I wasn't desperate for Him to feed me. And when God opened my eyes to my ability to play church, I have been a wreck ever since. Partly because I realize as as I've evaluated my life that 
I've put on that t-shirt again and again and again. That, that childish behavior, the things that I used to do as a child, as a young believer. Remember in, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians, Paul said that his fear is that some of us that had been living in sin would not have repented, would not have, would not have turned around our lives, would not have walked away from that in agreement with God that this is sin and we shouldn't be doing these things. I, I don't know... I don't know why it is such a challenge for us to hunger for this. Survey, do you believe that this is the Word of God? No, 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 no. Do you believe it? Does it consume your day? Do we go to Him first? Does the jerk on the freeway get the gospel prayed rather than the curse of a selfish heart? When we see ourselves in the mirror still wearing a t-shirt that doesn't fit, still wearing behavior that doesn't fit, does it break our hearts? Hebrews chapter 5. We are challenged again to consider our condition. And the writer of Hebrews says this. We, in, in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 11. We have a great deal to say about this. And it's difficult to explain. Since you have become slow to understand. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of God's revelation. You need milk, not solid food. Not everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced. Let me say, correct that. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Brothers and sisters, I believe that part of our growth process, part of how we get out of our selfish, fleshly desires is that we pour over the Word of God. That we see this as what sustains us and what grows us in our faith. If I'm struggling with life, where do I go? If I'm struggling with life, where do I go? To the Word. If you're struggling with life, where do you go? To the Word, to the word right? I, I get it. If you say it out loud, you're committed to it. I know. That's what I'm going for. Why is it that we run around and do everything else first? Why is it that children, when they can choose their food, they run away from what's good and go to the worst stuff possible? I believe it's the human heart. I believe it's the effect of sin. Peter's challenge is here today. If, if 
we are struggling with these fleshly desires, I believe the answer to that is to pursue spiritual milk. To pour ourselves back into the Word. To pour over the Word. To consume it. To apply our lives to these things. Man, I'm really excited. Because that's all that we're going to get to today. And it's a good thing, because as I'm thinking about it more and more this morning, I, I realized uh, something even in my own heart. I need to work on this this week. To be dependent on Him? That, that, that I would be so hungry for His Word that I would actually reschedule my life to be in, in the Word? How many of you have actually had plans to be in the Word this week and had it interrupted by something else? I'm telling you, I did. It was good stuff, but it got interrupted. Gee, I got to share with you. Um, I was building a wall this week, and uh, Saturday morning when I woke up, I was interrupted by a back ache. I'm like, I'm going to get up and, ooh. Okay, Lord, I'm going to lay here and think about your word today. Now, how lazy is that? Seriously, how lazy is that? Let me describe for you how lazy it is. I'm laying in my bed. I have 500 versions of the Bible right here. Now, by the grace of God and for this illustration, I didn't actually get on my phone that morning because that would have been really embarrassing had I been on the phone and not reading. And thank goodness that didn't happen this time. But the reality is, is that if I believe that this is true, I'm preparing for a sermon to tell you guys that it's important. <laughs> and I'm laying in bed going, I, would, I really should get up and go get my Bible. Man, my back hurts. I'm going to stay here for a little bit longer. Now, listen, that's a small thing. I get it. But is God where we go first? Do you really see his word as being the thing that we need in our lives to grow? Peter seems to think that we should look like little infant babies going after the bottle. Man, what a picture we need to have engraved in our hearts about pursuing the word of God. What an exercise that should be for us. Would you commit with me? That, oh, I forgot to ask you guys. I'm really sorry. I totally spaced this. How'd last week go? Loving one another. Some of you asked me to pray for you, and I did. And I asked you to pray for me, and you did. And I worked on it. How'd that go? Was that good? Oh, was that good, eh? I'm going to keep praying for you guys. I just want you to know I'm not forgetting. That wasn't just a flash in the pan thing like, hey, we're going to talk about it on Sunday and then forget it next week. We're going to keep asking, I'm going to keep asking you how that's going. Um, let's do this together. I, I, I want to be committed to these things, but I need you to help me do it. I need you to ask me, hey, how's your reading in the word this week? Have you been, have you been consuming the word? I would love for you to challenge me on that. Just recognize I'll ask you the same thing. So come prepared. Because we're going to wrestle through this together. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thanks for your grace. Thanks for your mercy. 
Thank you for your word. Lord, I am convinced that as much as I testify, as much as I speak that I believe it, there are moments in my life where I say I don't. When I choose to do something other than be in your word, when I choose not to go to you first, somehow in my heart I'm saying I got it. Lord, I really don't need you today. And yet if we rightly evaluate our own hearts, if we really lay our lives against this measure of fleshly behavior, the truth is is that from moment to moment I can slip back into selfish ambition and pride and arrogance, outbursts of anger, Uh, so easy to get there. Paul says that we should not give our flesh the occasion, that we should not um, make opportunity. It seems to me, Lord, that what we really need is to um, have you light a fire in our hearts for your word and for dependence on you. Would you help us to do that this week? as I I want to commit with my brothers and sisters here to go to you first. Give us a hunger for your word this week. And as we meet you there, Father, would you open our eyes to what you're doing. Guide us and direct us in all that we do that we would glorify you in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message from Liberty Lake Church in Liberty Lake, Washington. Our pastor, Our elders and our prayer watch team are available to pray with you or to answer any questions you may have. Contact us through www.LibertyLakeChurch.com or follow us on Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you and welcome any comments you may have. As always, we appreciate your prayer support. Join us next week on God's Word for You for Today for another message from Liberty Lake Church. Thank you again, and God bless.